Hello, and welcome to Joy Christian Community Church. Each week we strive to bring you Bible-based, Christ-centered teaching so that you will grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And now, here's Pastor Clayton with this week's message. We are beginning today a little mini-series called Stepping Out in Faith. The first in the series is, call, is called by God. Now, when we talk about stepping out in faith, then it's really easy then to maybe think of the heroes of faith, of Noah, of Moses, of Joshua, of David, and all of those. And we get inspired by them, and we, well, we should, but we also have kind of this like, yeah, I'm not that, you know? So this morning, I thought it'd be interesting and good to start off with a series with a story that often gets overlooked. It is the story of Zacchaeus. It's often reserved for a children's story, right? Children's sermon. That's where you normally hear about Zacchaeus. There's even a little song that goes with it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see, for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior came that way, he looked up the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from here, from there, for I'm going to your house today, I'm going to your house today. Right? Something like that. And we all, you know, we laugh and we think it's, uh, it's, it's this cute little story. It puts our, a smile on our face and we don't really give it much thought and we just kind of go on our merry way. I mean, you take a look at the story. There's no blind being healed. No, no one's being raised from the dead. No great miracles happy. There's a little man. He climbs a tree. Jesus says, come on, let's go have some dinner. They go have dinner and that's kind of it. And we think of it like a children's story. But you know what? It wasn't actually written for children. It wasn't written for children. It was written for you and for me. So maybe with a childlike appreciation, but adult understanding, let's uh, read here anew the message of Zacchaeus, the message of called by God. So it starts off this way. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. It's kind of setting up the story. So Jericho. Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And we're familiar with Jericho from the Old Testament, where Joshua and the Israelites went around Jericho and the walls fell down. Well, it was actually rebuilt. It was rebuilt about a mile, a little more than a mile away from that original city. And people were attracted to it for a couple of reasons. One, because it had this wonderful copious spring called the Fountain of Elisha. It had a warm climate in the winter, but was rather hot in the summer. Does that sound familiar? Okay. And it's like why everybody's here today, the warm climate. And it was strategically located at a ford in the Jordan River and other several routes leading westward into the hills. It was also called the city of palm trees because there was beautiful palms. And it also had a balsam garden. The gar- that's no longer there. The palms are. 
Uh, it was so well known for the palm trees, for the balsam gardens, that Antony, get this, Antony gave them to Cleopatra as a source of revenue. And Herod the Great redeemed them for his own benefit. The whole picture I want you to get of this Jericho is that it was a very, very prosperous city. It was bustling with commerce and activity. And any time there's something being sold and money is being made, the government has to be there. And so you, you have tax collectors. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was the chief among tax collectors, which meant that he not only skimmed the larger part, he had a bunch of other tax collectors skimming underneath him as well. When you take a look at the scripture, you don't see a kind word, so to speak, about tax collectors. We don't have that today. We don't have it. I mean, we don't have it then. We don't have it today, do we either? You say tax collector and warm fuzzies normally don't go in your head. Let me give you an example. There was a story uh, of a local um, fitness center. And there was an offering of $1,000 for anyone who could demonstrate that they were stronger than the owner. And here's what, how it worked. The owner would take a lemon and would squeeze every single drop out of that lemon. And whoever could come along and squeeze even one more drop out of the lemon could get the $1,000. So you get all these weightlifters, these strong men, everybody coming through, lumberjacks, the whole thing. And nobody could squeeze even one little drop out of it. But one day, this little small skinny guy walks in, signs up for the contest. Everybody's laughing at that. And he says, okay, so the owner squeezes every single drop out. And then this little, small, skinny guy takes the lemon, and the crowd's just laughing. But then there's one, two, three, six drops come out of it. And everybody's cheering. And of course, well, he gets paid the $1,000. And as the owner's paying them the $1,000, he's saying, what do you do? I mean, uh, you don't look like a weightlifter, a lumberjack construction. What do you do? He says, I work for the IRS. <laughs> right? It's a long way to get there. there. <laughs> but that's, we laugh at that because there's that. And I want to spend so much time on Zacchaeus because mostly from the children's story, we just think of them as this nice, you know, kind of small, maybe a little pudgy guy. Right? And he was short. In those days, the average height of a man was 5'4". So if you're around 5'4", in this group, your average height from that time. He was shorter than that, so he would have been uh, much less than 5 feet tall. So here's the picture I would like to get instead of this bubbly little guy. Do you remember Taxi? <laughs> Danny DeVito. Money-grubbing harsh sort of guy. That's what Zacchaeus would have been like. But just as Louis, in the, in the character Louis, could occasionally have glimpse of humanity because he knew that money actually wasn't everything all the time, Zacchaeus also had a glimpse of something. He wanted to go and seek out Jesus. 
There was something that was moving in him. He was searching. And so here's what he did. He went up into a sycamore tree. It says in verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Jesus was about to pass that way. By the way, you have to remember the whole thing. Jesus is actually on his way to Jerusalem for the triumphal entry. So Jesus knows it's coming. I just want to put that as context. Now, for a man to run, a man of his position to run in those times was not dignified at all. And for him to actually climb up into a tree was certainly unbecoming. And we believe it was probably a sycamore fig tree because they have uh, very low trunks, wide branches. It was very easy to climb up. We don't know exactly, exactly what was going through the head, the mind of Zacchaeus at that time, but it seems it was more than idle curiosity. You get a sense from the language that he was being compelled to seek, to search out who Jesus was, who Jesus is. And this is how it works. God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, draws people. He compels people. He does with the poor and the broken, but also the rich and the powerful as well. And why does he do this? He does it because he desires all to be saved. From 1 Timothy chapter 2, first of all, and I'm going to read the longer quote, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God calls us out to be his own. Now, there are a lot of people through hardness of heart kind of go, yeah, whatever. They think that they don't need God. They think life just goes on, especially if you're young, you're going to live forever. So they reject it. And they put their trust into other things of this world. But there comes a point for some people where they feel that compelling tug of the Spirit to search out, to say, who is this Jesus? See, I bet there are some of you today who know people that they need to hear this. They're waiting to hear. They're just waiting to hear. And do you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to share? Do you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about we went to the restaurant you know, and I didn't really want to talk to the manager, but I felt, I felt like tugged to talk to the manager. And then she said, well, somebody else from Joy had just talked to me too. Right? There's that pulling, that tug that we get. The thing about the story of Zacchaeus that we often miss is that there's an urgency in this story. Starting verse 5 and verse 6. And Jesus came to the place. He looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus... Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and came, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. 
The force of Jesus' words is much lost on us. We normally hear this just like an invitation. Hey, Zach, hey, if your schedule's free, why don't you come on down? Let's have some dinner. But that's not the sense of what Jesus says at all. Not at all. It is much more like this. First, he calls you by name. He said, Zacchaeus. Nobody had introduced him before. Remember, he's just traveling through Jericho at this time. He says, Zacchaeus. He calls you by your name. John chapter 10, verse 3, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And he says, hurry, hurry. It's not that Jesus is in a hurry or not that God is in a hurry. For God is eternal. There is no hurry with God. It is a hurry for each one of us. Time is short is what he's saying. It's the blink of an eye. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 said, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And then he says, Zacchaeus, I mu- hurry down for uh, today. I must stay at your home. Isn't that interesting? I must stay at your home. Jesus is going on. He's going to be going to the triumphal entry and very shortly then to his death. He says, I must go to your home today for dinner. I mean, that's a rather odd thing. What's this must? Well, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, the very beginning of the year. Jesus had a life of must. He must go out to seek the lost. He must suffer and die. He must be raised again. His life was compelled because he came to seek and save sinners. That's always the work of God, of going out into the world and calling. And then he calls people to go out into the world If you take a look at the life of Jesus and his ministry, did he found the church and just say, come to this building? He was an itinerant preacher. He had no place. He had no permanent home. He was always going out into the world. He sent the disciples out into the world. The church today says, come to us. But God says, no, I have called you and sent you out. For Jesus, it was an imperative. He must. It should be that way for us as well. So, Zacchaeus hears the call of Jesus. And he hurriedly goes down. You see, in that moment, there's something. Something that happened to Zacchaeus. We would call this being born again. In the time with Jesus, his heart was transformed, knowing who Jesus is as Savior. So do you remember Nathaniel? Nathaniel said to Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. In that moment, Nathaniel, not through his own intellect, but but the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. So this is the joy that's happening as he goes to dinner with Jesus. Now, at this point, you would think that a lot of people would be happy, but they weren't. 
It says in verse 7, And when they saw it, they all grumbled, He has gone in to be, be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I can't help but think, in today's world, and how divisive it is, how much grumbling, not even grumbling, but outrage. There's pure outrage, isn't there? And you know, you can pick your side. Look, what would it be like if we hosted President Trump to come here for a visit? Yeah, that cuts close to home. Some of you would be cheering. Some of you would be saying, we're a Christian church. How could we invite such a sinner to come be with us? Okay, pick your poison. Let's invite Hillary instead. Or Brock. Or George Bush. Or Bill Clinton, right? You could pick your poison, and on one side or the other, there would be, how could you be with such a sinner? This was Zacchaeus. That's how he was viewed. In the minds of the people, tax collectors like Zacchaeus were linked with murderers, adulterers, robbers, sinners in general. They couldn't attend the synagogue. They couldn't have any social relationship other than with the other sinners who were around them. And they were considered unclean. And because they were unclean, only other unclean people could be with them. But what did Jesus do? He went where there were unclean people, didn't he? He went where there are sinners. Jesus said himself in Luke chapter 5, he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came because the love of God and the grace of God is bigger than we can imagine. Bigger than we can imagine. Last week, we sang the song, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. It is God loving the world, the sinners so much that he came to them. He came to you and me. One pastor put it this way. It would have been the first time in Zacchaeus' household that any righteous, clean, and noble and respected person had come there. And here is the Lord, like the father throwing his arms around the stinking prodigal son, kissing him all over his head and reconciling him and embracing him. This is the story of Zacchaeus. This is the story of the love of God through Christ Jesus. And now verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So it would seem that the scene has now switched to dinner. And at dinner, they would have been on the floor, sitting on pillows, cushions, things like that. And so when he stood, he would have stood up from the floor. And now so moved... By who Jesus is, he says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. To give half of what he, of to the poor was generous indeed, and to give fourfold in return of anything that he might have defrauded went far and above what was demanded of in the law. See, Zacchaeus makes full Full, complete restitution. 
Now, the question I have for you is, did he do that, do you think? Do you think he did it to impress the Lord? Right? To somehow win favor. And we don't get that sense at all. What we find here is that he had a changed heart. And because of a changed heart, he took an action that was unexpected. Let me say it another way. He repented of his wrongs and sought to do what was right because of a changed heart. And here's a lesson we can draw from Zacchaeus. Faith never sits still. Faith is always a call to action. Now, here's the thing about this. When I say faith never sits still, I don't mean that faith scurries about in a harried, hurried sort of way. That's not what I'm talking about here. Faith isn't just action for action's sake. Faith calls you to do something. By the way, one of those actions could be prayer, to deepen your prayer life, to pray with others. One of those actions could be uh, engaging in a fellowship, whether that's Bible study or a women's ministry, or maybe just having coffee in the morning with a certain group of friends and talking about faith and God and how all of that works together and who Jesus is. Maybe that's what the call to action is. Maybe it is mentoring somebody else. It could be a lot of things. But faith doesn't just sit still. If you have a living faith, it moves you to actions. Moves you to action. So, for Zacchaeus... What he held as most precious in his life, and what was it? Money, right? What was most precious in his life, he said, I'm going to give it away because of who Jesus is. Compare that to the rich young ruler. This is from Luke chapter 18, so just a chapter previous. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now, some of you today, because of the announcement that Ron gave, might think I've tried to work in a really sly reference to the announcement. I guarantee you I'm not. I actually prepared and worked on this sermon two years ago and gave it to my previous church in a time with a totally different context. I even struggled, should I keep it in today, lest someone think I'm trying to be crafty and manipulate. I thought about that and I struggled with it and I decided I'm going to keep it in. Why? Because it's true to the text. It's a perfect contrast between Zacchaeus and the rich ruler. You see, faith moves one beyond mere observance of the law or customs. The rich young man was following the Torah, the Old Testament, as an observance. But what was missing? His heart was set on something else, wasn't it? It was set on all the wealth he had. Zacchaeus had a change of heart because of who Christ is, and because of that, gave away what had been most precious. 
See, I don't know what you hold most precious right now. I don't. For some of you, it might be your wealth. That might be your stumbling block. For some of us, and for a lot of us, the biggest stumbling block is what actually Del Palmer talked about a couple months ago. He said, your time. You hold your time as most precious. I don't know what it is for you. But I suspect it is something for you. And so the question I have for you is what action or actions is your faith compelling you to do? What's tugging on you that you know you've been called and you've been resisting? We also know from the story of Zacchaeus this, that a living faith, and the key word is living a living faith moves one to follow Jesus with your all in all. It's kind of like the first message I gave here back in February. Your all in all. And we're going to sing the song later today, All to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. So the next question I have for you is, what do you need to surrender to follow Jesus with your all in all. What do you need to surrender to follow Jesus with your all in all? And you have to remember, the movement of faith that Zacchaeus had was not based on the law, it was based on the gospel. The movement of faith comes from the gospel message of salvation. That's what moved him. Jesus said this, verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house, since, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus pronounced what Zacchaeus felt. Zacchaeus being born again by the Spirit, faith in Christ. Jesus pronounced salvation has come to this house today, now. Now is the day of salvation. Not some time in the future, not some sort of maybe, not some, well, I'll kind of go along until, but now today. And what does salvation mean? That you are saved from your sins. That you are forgiven. That you are freed from the bondage of depravity from complete alienation from God, your life is restored. And you have a new life in Christ. From being an orphan in this world, you are now a child of God. That's what Jesus proclaimed to Zacchaeus that day. And it all boils down to this. It boils down to this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What a profound message, isn't it? Not this little children's sermon. Not this little song that we laugh off, off and don't think about anymore. But it is a message of faith. Zacchaeus stepping out in faith. Salvation coming to him through Christ Jesus. So, how does your faith compel you? How does the gospel compel you? 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything that you have given us. We thank you for the salvation that you offer us as a free gift. Empower us through the Holy Spirit to live in faith in you, sharing that faith with others. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.